We're finishing up a series this morning, Becoming a Contagious Christian, as we've been walking through the book of Acts. I, I reserve the right to come back to this series because it's good to look at what did the early church believe, but also what did we see them doing with that faith. And so we're at Acts 17, and this is actually where our Wednesday night study began and ended. We looked at this passage and said, what's here from Paul specifically in this brilliant exchange uh, that he has with these people here about the gospel? How is it we can apply that to our own sharing? But before we dive into those principles, what's, what's here for us? What do we need to respond to from what Paul has shared here first is confession of sin. Now, we've already done that in our prayer time. Uh, but what you see here in Paul in sharing of the gospel to them, but also whenever we bump into this passage, we're reminded again as our, as our students just sang to us, we, we don't deserve it, and yet he offers grace to us. And that always has to be a part of any sharing of the gospel at some point. wasn't a first thing for Paul. You watch him go through so many things before he gets down to verse 29 and 30. But then he eventually says, you've made God into an idol, and you need to repent of that at some point. It's not just our Jesus story from last week. This is how I came to Christ. But in our sharing with our, our friends and our relatives, our, our co-workers, our neighbors, eventually that, that hard truth of the gospel has to be a part of that discussion. Uh, that, that we do need to, need to repent of our sins. Now you look at some of these things that Paul, these idols... If we, we're looking down on Acts 17 going, look at all that silly stuff that they worshipped. But I would say to you, I wonder if those people then could be transported to our world and look at our world and us. I wonder how, how many times they would scratch their heads and say, look how much time they give to that. Look how much sacrifice or dollars they give to this. What would they say about us and what would they say about idols? It's important to talk about that because idolatry really is the number one or number two topic in all of Scripture. It's why John would say at the close of his epistle, children, keep yourselves from idols. It is a perpetual temptation even for the believer to give our time and ourselves away to things that are not God's best for us. Things that would even substitute or take the place of God. We bump into this passage. It's right for us to pause and say, Lord, is there, is there anyone or anything or any group or whatever it might, anything that I've placed in front of you? Help me to repent of that, to fully put it aside. The Jackson and Target got a letter from somebody who had robbed them a couple of years ago. It was a letter that contained $100. He said, I stole from your store, even signed his name. I stole from your store a couple of years ago, and I've not been able to sleep since then. So here's $100 that I owe you. And if I still can't sleep, I'll send the rest back. So, <laughs> nah, that's not true. But that's true, isn't it? I'll give you a little bit. <laughs> And then we'll see how that works out. And Paul's saying it's all. Whatever idol is creeping up into your life, it's got to be all. And today's a day to do that. When we are confronted with the reality and the good news that Christ gave all, and so he deserves all. 
How is it we need to respond to that word? And here's why we can respond to that word, and here's why they were able to respond to Paul. It's not just a confession of sin, but we see here the bridge of relationship. Verse 16 says, Paul was provoked in his spirit. Y'all, if we're going to ever reach the world with the gospel, we've got to be broken for people who don't know Jesus. Paul is provoked in his spirit for what he sees going on in their lives, the emptiness of their lives, of them grasping for these idols for purpose and for meaning and for fulfillment. And so he's moved in his spirit, and that's why he does this hard work of building relationship with people that are very different from himself. And he builds relationship because you see that testimony through here of how, how he's with them day by day, even as Ben closed the passage, that he was they knew he would stay and we're going to listen to you again because they knew he was for them. You see that he cared enough as well. He, he knew their arts. I mean, you've got him quoting two of their poets here. Even one that was a hymn to Zeus. How, how, Paul knew that stuff. Why? Because he was provoked in his spirit to hopefully be able to reach them with the gospel, to know them enough so he could know what it is they needed to hear. He does that here. He does it in 1 Corinthians 15. He does it in Titus 1. He knew their world so he could speak to the hurts and the questions of their world. And he knew their worldview, what drove them, what they believed. What is it your neighbor believes? Think about the neighbor to your right and to your left. What do they believe? What drives them? What about that coworker? who's nearest you? What drives it? What's the question that that relative, and you know that relative, that relative who's running from the Lord, what's the question that they have that you could love them enough to find out the answer, to resource them on that, be available to that? This is part of the reason they receive him. Verse 17, every day he was there. So much of what we're talking about is not being an expert in our faith, in sharing our faith, but just simply being available. God uses who is usable. Is that profound? <laughs> Philip, Stephen, Peter, Paul, as we've walked through those stories and acts, just expectant, ready to be able to share this good news. And we see just the fruit that comes of people who will be will build relationships with others. And this is the kicker for us, verse 27, y'all. It was the kicker for them and for us. He's not far. And we celebrate this meal. We know it's even closer than not far. He's here with us as we share together in this sacrament. Wherever you've been, whatever you're struggling with, whatever hurt you have, what Paul has said to them in this meal, God is saying to us, I am not far. Do you need to meet with him today? As we share together, many of us will gather at this altar rail to pray for others. But maybe this day you need to pray for yourself. And to, to receive again that good news that our, our students have sang for us and that Paul is sharing with these people here. We serve a God who will race to where we are. Now some quick reminders about evangelism. Each time we've shared together in this word, we've had a, a quick time of teaching. What do we notice here about Paul? Not only does he know their word, uh, but he also makes sure to give a specific word that they need to hear. In verse 18 and 32, what he's being clear about is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He knows that's what they need to hear. For the Greeks, this stuff is bad. Flesh is bad. The soul might be resurrected. 
But this flesh stuff is bad, and so no wonder you just do whatever you want with it because it doesn't matter. And Paul looks him in the eye and says, Jesus Christ died, but his Father raised him up again. Not just his spirit, but his flesh. And he can do that work in you as well. Not just someday, but what he can do in your life now. And so he's speaking to the one thing they certainly need to hear. What is it they need to hear, the people that you're sharing with? I had a conversation with my son this week. My son's a chemical engineer. My son lives up here, way above me. And so he had to talk to me about what multiverses are. Anybody familiar with that? As he's wrestling with somebody, and I say wrestling, somebody's invited him into conversation where he works. And so Joe's doing his homework on a 2,000-year-old philosophical argument of God and morality, but also learning about these theories of multiverse and how that fits in with creation ideas. I couldn't follow it all, but I was proud to hear Joseph learning what he needed to learn so he could share about God's creative power and that God is not far from that, that, that uh, young man that he's ministering to. Paul knew exactly what they needed to hear, and it's a good word for us. And then lastly, in verse 24, there's this reminder here of being able to, we've said it once before, being able to take a conversation naturally and authentically and turn it to spiritual things, to turn it to a, to look for those opportunities. Spirit is it now where I can, I can turn this conversation to you. Maybe a few weeks into building a relationship with somebody or maybe years into that. But Lord, when is that? Help me know. And you see Paul doing that here in verse 24. I had a youth at one of my former churches was at a party with a bunch of kids. And one of the kids said, you know, looking around this party, none of this really makes sense, does it? Now, what do you say to that? You bring up Jesus in the middle of a wild party, and the kid, this kid at our, at our church, went for the throat, and he risked. He says, I'll tell you what, I go to a youth group, and they help me make, make sense of things. I'll go with you for the next three to four weeks to wherever you want to go, if you'll come to, with me for the next three to four weeks, and I can show you how God makes sense of things. Now, he immediately told our student minister who said, hey, remember Galatians 6.1? Remember other passages, you'd be careful, because I, being a student minister for 13 years, my heart's been broken by some things that have happened at those events. So that student was very careful and did that in, in, in uh, accountability with our student minister to be careful. But then that student came with our student for three to four weeks to hear about how God makes sense. To be able to take a conversation that God puts before you and just simply be faithful, uh, to share about him, to do it authentically, to do it as scripture would say, you're not just giving an answer, you're giving an answer with gentleness and reverence. But there's no telling what can happen in the life of somebody who will say that word. Today we come to celebrate this meal and we come to celebrate Jesus Christ who gave all for us. As we come is there a place, is there a thing, is there a person, a relationship that you need to say as they did here? I need to, I need to put that a, aside. That's become an idol in my life. That's taking the place of our Lord. He'll meet you here. He'll forgive you of that and bless you through that. But also, maybe, maybe there's a sense of distance with God. 
Maybe there's been some struggle in your life or hurt in your life, and you simply need to come to the table today because he invites us to this table. And to be reminded again, he is not far, that he is here with us. And so we come to this table this morning uh, to celebrate his grace anew. We come responding to his invitation. For Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and who seek to live in peace with one another. We remember that on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks to God, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.